We are back, everyone. Back after a two-week hiatus, two-week sabbatical, whatever you want to call it, but we are back. We are Wagers Ragers. We are your premium podcast, and we discuss the NFL and wagering on the NFL games. But not only do we discuss wagering on the NFL, but the two of us, your hosts for the Wagers Ragers podcast, are passionate about electronic dance music and we will give you our tracks of the week at the conclusion of this podcast so if you're new to the podcast we are your hosts i am joshua thomas buckner um many of my friends call me jt and always with me my co-host john the hedgehog donath the hedgehog we are broadcasting to you from the great state of new jersey i'm in new jersey now we've been off for two weeks we are back and we are ready to give you our insight into the NFL and our expert opinion on wagering. Now, unfortunately for John, the Eagles are on a bye week this week, but he still has two games that he's going to analyze for you. Usually our format is such that we analyze our respective uh, home teams. I'm a Jet fan. John is an Eagles fan. Jets are playing this week. The Eagles are on a bye um, we analyze those games, and then we pick another game, and we analyze that, and we give you our opinion, and hopefully you take it as our expertise on our um, position regarding wagering on the games. <clears throat> I will give you, as I am a college football savant, my college football nuggets in between our NFL games on our tracks of the week, but at the conclusion of this podcast, you will hear our tracks of the week. And so, without further ado, I know we've been off for a while. We will now commence week number seven in the NFL. I can't believe we are at week seven. We are closing in on halfway through the season. John, talk to me. I know we've been off for two weeks. Give me your thoughts on how the NFL has gone and how you feeling. It's a wild, wild year this year. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a Philadelphia fan, so it's it's a great time to be a Philly sports fan, man. I tell you what, the Eagles surprisingly six and zero, and I know I don't have an Eagles game to analyze this week, but just real quick on the Eagles season in general, I think it's gone about as well as you could possibly have hoped. They are six and zero heading into the bye, have a chance to get healthy over the next two weeks. Well, this past week and the next week till their next game, uh, which is against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but at the same time, it's not like they've really played a perfect game yet. So from, from a coaching perspective, there's a lot for Nick Sirianni to talk about over the next week. So it's a great spot for them to be in 6-0, and oh, um, but still be able to kind of work on a few things and straighten out some of the kinks. Also, of course, uh, my Philadelphia Phillies, surprisingly, in the NLCS, just a couple of games away from making it to the World Series, Big win last night in Philly. They are up two to one on the San Diego Fathers. Uh, so I'm very excited. But honestly, uh, it kills me <laughs> whenever we have to have a bye week from the podcast. So I'm glad to be back here this morning talking with you, talking about what we like as far as the bets this week. So I'm ready to get that going, man. Yeah, and let's rock and roll. Eagles are off this week. So I'm going to start it, start us off this week with the Jet game. Uh, I cannot believe how well the Jets have played 
over the last month of the season. Some people were predicting the Jets to be 0-9 before they actually picked up a win. Right now, the Jets are 4-2, having picked up three consecutive wins, including a win last week against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. So this week, the Jets are at the Denver Broncos, going to Mile High Stadium. Right now, the line is the Jets getting one point. The line actually started with the Jets getting three. That's how much love there is for the Jets right now. The line has dropped two points to the Jets only getting one. Over-under is 38 38 points right now is the over-under. So what do we have here? We have two defenses that are playing really, really well. The Jets' defense just lit up Green Bay last week. Quinnen Williams was named Defensive Player of the Week. Denver defense, Rob Sala came out this week and said, this is probably the best defense we're going to play all year. They're only giving up 15.3 points per game. Now, for those of you that have listened to this podcast over the last couple of years, all of you know that I'm a stats guy. I don't think right now, going into week seven, that relying strictly on stats is the best way to apportion what you're going to wager on the respective games. I'm going to give it a little bit more of a sample size over the next couple of weeks. But right now, both defenses are just playing really well. On the flip side, the Denver offense is just brutal. Russell Wilson has been a complete letdown for Denver. They're only putting up 14.8 points per game right now. Russell Wilson is hurt. He has a partially torn pectoral right by his throwing shoulder. He's got a pulled hamstring that he's dealing with. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Denver's backup, Brett Ripien, in the game this week. Uh against the Jets. New York has outscored their opponents 68 to 20 in the fourth quarter, which is the largest margin in the NFL this season. And also 68 points in the fourth quarter leads the NFL, which I am absolutely shocked by um, given the history of, of how the Jets have done over the last basically decade, uh, especially since the last time they made the playoffs. The Jet rookies have shown up this year. Sauce Gardner, he was the number four pick, I believe, in the draft. He's only given up one catch for six yards in 40 man coverage snaps this season, which is mind-boggling. And Brees Hall, he is a stud running back, 391 rushing yards. He's only second uh, for rookies behind Houston's Damian Pierce, who has 419 rushing yards. I think that Nathaniel Hackett is a complete and utter fool. <clears throat> right now, it's already come out that he's going to start Melvin Gordon at running back, given the injury to Javante Williams is out for the season with a knee injury. Latavius Murray shredded San Diego last week in his first game for Denver, but yet he's now going to be the backup to Melvin Gordon, who did absolutely nothing against the Chargers. Betting trend. The Jets have been an underdog in every single game this year, despite the fact that they have a 4-2 and two winning record. And the last time that happened for the Jets was in 2001. Uh, and that was the Browns, actually, not the Jets. The last time that happened where a team was 4-2 were the Browns in 2001, where they were an underdog in six straight games and came out with a winning record. So you've heard it from me. Uh, I, I normally am very, very down on the Jets, but the way they're playing, how can I go against them this week? The line right now is the Jets getting a point. 
forget that. Forget the point. Take the money line right now. The money line on DraftKings is my, the Jets minus 105. I'm taking the Jets to win this game in Denver. Not only am I doing that, but I normally don't go over-unders. I think given the fact that these defenses have been playing well, I'm taking the under, under 38 points. And you think that's crazy. 38 points is nothing for two teams to score. But when Denver's only putting up 14, basically 14 points a game, and these defenses have been playing as well as they've been playing, give me the under under 38 points uh, on the Jets-Denver game. Three quick props. Brees Hall, as I said before, has been a stud. I took him last week, despite the fact that we did not have a podcast on rushing and receiving. He crushed it just on rushing yards alone. Give me Brees Hall over 94.5 rushing and receiving yards, minus 115 on DraftKings. And I would be remiss, given the fact that I'm taking the under in this game, give me both kickers. Both kickers over 1.5 field goals. Brad McManus, minus 120 on DraftKings, and Greg Zerline over 1.5 field goals, plus 105 on DraftKings. That's what I got on the Jet game. Love the Jets this week. They're probably going to let me down, but you know what? They've surprised me over the last three weeks. I love the way they're playing. They're playing for their coach. The rookies are outstanding. I'd like to see Zach Wilson step up and have a better game than he had last week, but he really didn't need to throw the ball. He only had 10 completions. Fine, whatever. When you return a block punt for a touchdown and the defense plays as well as they played last week, you don't need their quarterback to throw for a bunch of yards, but I would like to see a better game out of Zach Wilson. But give me the Jets and the money line this week. John, thoughts on the Jet game? Yeah, obviously the New York Jets are one of the biggest surprises in the NFL this year. I mean, they came into the year, didn't even have their starting quarterback for the first few weeks, and they've acquitted themselves very, very well. Uh, it's been pleasant to see. Uh, it's just you've got to believe that, you know, that, the bubble's going to burst at some point on both ends of this game, right? Like the Jets, could they really be this good? Like, are they going to win the AFC East? On the other hand, could the Broncos be as bad as they looked? But the thing is, they keep coming out every week, and that offense still looks completely inept. Um, I, I, you know, it, it, my gut tells me, okay, this is the one where you say, okay, Broncos at home can pull off the win against the Jets on the road. You know, the Jets are still a very young team. It's a tough call. I, th I mean, I think I would take uh, the Broncos and give the point here, but it's only because they're at home. Um, I like the Jets better. I like I like the direction they're headed. It's just tough to believe that they could go, you know, six and one or whatever it would be if they win this game, right? I thought it was interesting. I looked for an Elijah Moore prop. Uh, he made some noise this week about asking for a trade. Uh, because he wasn't involved in the offense enough. And then there was a story coming came, that came out after that where the Jets coaching staff said, you know, Elijah Moore is playing. And I thought, okay, maybe this could be a squeaky wheel game. Um, but there are no Elijah Moore props. Uh, in, <clears throat> excuse me. Instead, I think I like Michael Carter. I like Michael Carter to go over 26 and a half uh, <clears throat> rushing yards. Broncos are kind of middle of the pack when it comes to uh, rushing defense. They are um, about 13th uh, this year so far. Yep, 13th, giving up 105.3 yards per game. Uh, Michael Carter had six attempts and 41 yards on the ground against Green Bay. So I kind of like Michael Carter as a sneaky prop here to get over 
26 and a half yards. And uh, like I said, I think I would take the Broncos and give the point and not feel good about it. And it's, that's really more based on, you know, the Broncos got to pull out a win here, you know, uh, 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 eventually and pull out of this funk at some point, but who knows, maybe that's wrong. Yeah. I mean, and I'll just leave you with this. I took the jets at the beginning of the season over four and a half wins right now. They have four. Woo. Give me a win this week. I already win that bet. And we're only in week seven. I also took the Jets over two divisional wins with a win against Miami. I need one for a push, two for a win. So give me the Jets all all day this week. Probably the kiss of death. Maybe it was a good thing we didn't broadcast the last two weeks. The Jets won. Um, But I love the way they're playing. Love the way the defense is playing. Elijah Moore needs to shut his mouth. He needs to go out there and play. Zach Wilson only had 10 completions. What does he expect? I know he didn't get targeted, but hopefully this week is the week he does. And we'll see what happens. So put a bow on the Jet-Denver game. John, what's your first game, given the Eagles are off on a bye this week? Well, left to my own devices here without the uh, the Eagles to guide me. The first game I'm going to pick is going to be the surprising Atlanta Falcons traveling to Cincinnati, the reigning AFC conference champions to play Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals. Um, both teams coming into the, the week uh, three and three, uh, the Bengals, you know, probably a disappointing three and three, the Falcons on the other hand, you know, surprising, uh, probably happy to come in at three and three. They've been a pleasant surprise this year as well. A uh, Bengals coming off a win did beat, a uh, a Saints team in something of a shootout last week, uh, and but kind of barely pulled it out, to be honest with you. Meanwhile, the Falcons had a big win over the San Francisco 49ers, but that uh, does have a bit of an asterisk there because the San Francisco 49ers were just absolutely decimated by injuries, uh, and that is uh, going to play into my, my second game so far. Falcons on the road here with Marcus Mariota at quarterback to uh, take on the Bengals here couple things I'm looking at. The Bengals are giving six and a half. So the Falcons getting six and a half on the road. I actually really like that point spread for the Falcons. Uh, I'm taking the Falcons here. Give me the points on the road. I think the Falcons are working with a little bit of mojo here. They've got rookie Drake London has really come in and acquitted himself well. Uh, even though the, the Falcons have lost Cordaro Patterson, they haven't lost much of a beat as far as the rushing game uh, goes. How about a couple of props here? Uh, Atlanta is 31st against the past. Um, it's kind of interesting because they're playing with AJ Terrell, who is considered, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, but Jamar Chase has got to be one of my favorite players in the NFL who's not on the Eagles. No small reason because he has a really great name, Chase, just like my son. Um, but he is a fantastic, uh, talented wide receiver. Uh, the Bengals got a real superstar uh, there. Uh, Jamar Chase had a big bust-out game last week, seven catches for 132 yards Mm -hmm. and two touchdowns uh, against the Saints. His prop uh, over-under for receptions this week is six and a half. He had seven last week, so I love him to come through on that. So I I had to check into, you know, A.J. Terrell because we're expecting A.J. Terrell to shadow him a bit. Um, And so far – uh, so far this year, uh, Terrell does travel. He shadows 60, almost 62% of the time as far as the other team's best receiver. He has given up some catches, though. Uh, I'm noting that he's giving up 25 catches on the year, 
4.2 catches per game. He's given up five catches uh, last week and the week before. So Terrell does give up some catches here. Uh, and, you know, overall, the effect hasn't been too great for the, the Falcons defense. Like I said, they're 31st uh, against the pass. So give me Jamar Chase and give me the over on six and a half catches. I also like Marcus Mariota. Uh, one of Mariotti's biggest strengths here is his running ability. His prop is 33 and a half minus 115 on DraftKings. Mariota is averaging over 34 yards a game rushing. And in his last two, he had 50 and 61 yards rushing, which includes last week's win over San Francisco, as well as a loss to the Bucks. Uh, and this is another thing that's sort of informing my opinion. Not only did the Falcons pull out the win over San Francisco, uh, a highly thought of team that's dealing with some injuries. They also came this close to beating the Buck Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, um, which, you know, maybe that's not <laughs> such an impressive thing considering uh, the, the Bucks recent schedules and their loss against the uh, struggles and their loss against the Steelers last week. Uh, but two weeks ago, the, the, you know, the, the Falcons were in that game and it really turned on a really terrible uh, roughing the passer call on, on Grady Jarrett. So I like the Falcons to come in here. Uh, and get the get the win. I like Jamar Chase over on six and a half catches. I like uh, Mar Marcus Mariota to get the over on 33 and a half rushing yards. Cincinnati, not the greatest rushing defense. They've only got the 20th defense against the run this year. So the Bengals are giving up 65 yards a game to tight ends. So Kyle Pitts's prop this week is 42 and a half receiving yards, 42 and a half receiving yards. So that's the other one I'll take sort of a, a bit of a shot in the dark, but I think uh, Pitts could have a bit of a breakout game here against that Cincinnati defense. So that's what I've got. Give me the Falcons on the road, getting six and a half. Give me Jamar Chase over on six and a half catches. Give me Marcus Mariota over on 33 and a half rushing yards and give me Kyle Pitts over on 42 and a half receiving yards. Surprising. I'm going Falcons here. I'm with you all the way on this game. Honestly, I'm not terribly impressed with the Bengals. I know that they have won a bunch of games recently. I think their game last week, uh, I believe against the Saints, was not a terribly well-played game by the Bengals. I think six and a half points is too many points to lay with Cincinnati. I know they're at home, but I'm with you all the way. I looked at this game myself. I think the Falcons have been playing really well. They're a sneaky surprise team. Uh, this year. So give me the Falcons. I'll take those six and a half points. I can see this game being a field goal game. Either way, quite honestly, I can see the Bengals losing this game against Atlanta. Um, I was a little surprised at the beginning of the season that Marcus Mariota was going to be their starting quarterback, but he's been, he's been pretty good this season. Um, so I like that prop uh, that you gave our audience on, uh, on Marcus Mariota, but I like the Falcons in this game, maybe not to win, but to definitely cover. So give me the Falcons and the six and a half points on this game for sure. Any last thoughts, John, before I get into the other New York team, which is my second game of the week? Yeah, just that it, it sort of seems like the Bengals might be having a bit of that uh, Super Bowl hangover, just like actually the Rams are too, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I think that's sort of what we've got going on here. Uh, still believe in Joe Burrow, but uh, and you know they could even win a close game here. But I like the Falcons getting that kind of points on the road. All right, so game two for me is I'm sticking with the New York theme as I just alluded to, 
And I am taking the Giants, the New York football Giants, going into Jacksonville. And the Giants are an underdog, despite the fact that they have a uh, 5-1 and one record. The Giants are getting three and a half points, not just three. They're actually getting a field goal and an additional hook, half a point, going into Jacksonville over-under is 43 and a half points. Now, should we really deem this game as the return of Evan Ingram, who was the uh, draft pick of the Giants? Revenge game? <laughs> yeah, exactly, for this game. The, the return of Evan Ingram, the, the draft pick of the Giants, the heir apparent to Mark Bavaro, Jeremy Shockey, all of the, the tight ends that the Giants have had. And his rookie season, he had 64 receptions for 722 yards and six touchdowns. And it looked like he was going to be the real deal at tight end. But after that, he just fizzled out. He had hands of stone, drop passes left and right. And he was let go. And Jacksonville picked him up in free agency. And he's now the starting tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Captained and by Trevor Lawrence as the wonder kid. First round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars two years ago. But Evan Ingram's actually had a pretty decent season. He's got 24 receptions already this year for 208 yards, but no touchdowns. To me, you know what I look at? I say, whatever. I still don't think Jacksonville is a team that is improving, uh, but they lost last week. And I don't think that they are on the same level as the Giants as far as uh, where they're going and improving the giants surprisingly are five and one i didn't i don't think anybody expected the giants to have a record like that and some might say the giants are doing this with smoke and mirrors honestly i don't think so i think the the new the new coaching regime with brian dable has really lifted the giants to another level i always thought they had a decent amount of talent i don't think they're as talented as the jets i really don't but they're doing what they can with what they have and saquon barkley is just having like a resurgence uh, this season. The Giants are the only team to overcome three deficits of 10 points or more and win all three of those games. They were down by 10 points or more to Tennessee, Green Bay, and last week they did the same thing to Baltimore, being down 20 to 10 and ultimately winning 24 to 20. The last time they did that was 2016. Again, much like the Jets, rookies, rookies, rookies. Kayvon Thibodeau had his first sack and, for, and first uh, forced fumble last week against the Ravens. Right tackle Evan Neal has started every game and is looking like he was a great draft pick for the Giants. Wide receiver Wandale Robinson, first touchdown last week against the Ravens. And tight end Daniel Bellinger, team high, two touchdown catches for the Giants. So, Getting three and a half points against Jacksonville, I don't care if it's on the road or at home. I don't see how the Giants are an underdog in this game. Quite honestly, I think they should be a favorite. I love the Giants in this game. I know that every game has been sort of touch and go, down by points, come back and win. But I think they're going to have, I wouldn't say a relatively easy time with Jacksonville because I think they're a lot better than they have been in the last couple of years, of course. I mean, they've been getting the first-round draft pick every year, the Jaguars. With Doug Marone now as, as the coach instead of that 
idiot, Urban Meyer, who got fired halfway through the season last year. He's definitely going to be turning this team around, but I don't think this week is the week that they they win against a really hot New York Giants team. So give me the Giants on the road, getting three and a half points. Honestly, I was leaning towards taking the money line on this game, but I'll take the three and a half given the fact that there's that hook attached to it. So if the Giants do happen to lose by three points, I still win on the bet. So as far as props, very quickly, as I said before, Saquon Barkley is having a renaissance season. Um, if he's not at the top, he's close to the top in rushing yards. So give me Barkley over 76 and a half rushing yards, minus 130 on DraftKings. The 30 on the juice is a little high, but I like Barkley to go over that rushing total. Tight end Daniel Bellinger, one of the hot rookies that the Giants have, leading the team with two touchdown catches, as I said before. Give me Bellinger. His reception, uh, his receiving yards total is not very high. Give me Bellinger over 26.5 receiving yards, minus 120 on DraftKings. And lastly, I would be remiss if I didn't go with a field goal kicker. Give me Graham Gano. Love, love me some Graham Gano over one and a half field goals. Only five pieces on the juice, minus 105 on DraftKings. Graham Gano over one and a half field goals. John, thoughts on Giants? Jacksonville, I know our buddy Koza would be happy to hear that I am taking the Giants in this game. Yeah, we got. I got to get Koza back on one of these weeks to get into this whole Giant thing. I, I agree with you on the Giants. I don't think this is all smoke and mirrors. <clears throat> I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender yet, but I think the defense they're building is for real. I think they have some talent on that side of the ball. I believe in the coaching staff. I think what Dable is doing there, he's instilling a, 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 a new culture that I think the players have confidence in. Dable did in Buffalo, et cetera, et cetera. I still don't totally believe in the offense. Uh, I, you know, Saquon is, you know, if not, if he's not the best running back in the league, he's, you know, one B or something like that. But I still don't believe in Daniel Jones as a quarterback. Um, I don't believe, you know, it's not even really a don't believe type thing. They just don't have talent at receiver. They don't, you know. So I actually kind of like Jacksonville in this game. I think Doug Peterson, Dougie P uh, is is, is going to, uh, you know, bring Jacksonville uh, closer to, to respectability. They're still figuring out what they're doing down there in Jacksonville. I kind of like Jacksonville in this game, but I see it being more like a field goal game. So I, I would probably stay away from it because I think three and a half is, is too much to give uh, if you're Jacksonville. Uh, and Jacksonville is Jacksonville. So I would probably stay away. I like Jacksonville here, but I, like I said, I think it's a field goal game. Uh, as far as props go, the one I was looking at was Daniel Jones rushing. And it's actually kind of high, uh, higher than I probably would like. But I think I would still take it. It's uh, 34 and a half rushing yards at minus 115 on DraftKings. Now, Jones only had uh, six yards rushing last week, but before that, his totals in the prior three weeks were 37 yards, 68 yards, 79 yards. Uh, and, and just as important is he's taken off every game. You know, he, he took off, uh, even though he got bottled up a little bit by that Baltimore defense, he still took off six times, uh, 10 rushes the week before that, six rushes the, the, the week before that, nine rushes the week before that. Daniel Jones does have some wheels, so I would take Daniel Jones and the over on 34 and a half rushing yards, and I would probably just stay away from the game overall. You know, I was looking at Daniel Jones over rushing, and I, I noticed his rushing totals over the last four games, and last week was sort of an anomaly 
for Daniel Jones, but I just think honestly, and I'm going to be very blunt about it. I think Daniel Jones sucks. I think he does. I think he's a crap quarterback. <laughs> uh, he's in a contract year. I get it. The giants are five and one, but it's, it's not because of Daniel Jones. It's because the defense is a lot better. It's because Saquon Barkley has become is back to being Saquon Barkley. And the giants just seem to figure out ways to pull off victories. But it's not because Daniel Jones has now become Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or, you know, you name it, the great quarterbacks. He's an average quarterback. He's probably going to be a backup somewhere next year. I don't care what their record is. If the Giants give him a long-term extension, you know, then I'm going to really question the brain trust over there uh, in East Rutherford because he's just – he's Danny Average Jones – He's not Danny Dimes. He's not Danny Nichols. He's Danny. I'm just here managing the game, basically. Thankfully, he's not turning the ball over, and that's probably why they're winning. But I see this again, same kind of game with the Giants. Close game. I think they're probably going to pull out a win. If they don't, like you said, it's probably a field goal game. So with the three and a half, love the Giants this week. All right, John. Second game, who do we have? Talk to us. Well, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to San Francisco, California, to take on the 49ers. Uh, The Chiefs right now are minus one on the road. Uh, They were three-point favorites just a day or two ago, but you may have heard uh, the San Francisco 49ers pulled off a little trade this week, uh, acquired themselves Christian McCaffrey, one of the most tantalizing talents uh, in the league. Uh, one of the best, you know, uh, all around running backs as far as receiving and rushing goes. Uh, his only issue really has been injuries because he had two, you know, massive touch seasons followed up by two seasons in a row where he had season ending injuries. Carolina Panthers finally cashed that chip in trading Christian McCaffrey this week to the Niners for uh second, third, and fourth round draft picks in the upcoming draft, and then the all-important fifth round draft pick the year after in 2024. Uh, The latest that I checked this morning, Saturday morning, Shanahan is still saying that he's not sure if McCaffrey will play. I got to believe McCaffrey's going to play. He'll probably be limited, you know, as far as the playbook goes, but I think they'll mix him in there. That obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but I think that, you know, it makes sense that that'll kill uh, Jeff Wilson's value in this game, if nothing else. Uh, the bigger issue here, I think, overall, the bigger uh, story here, the bigger controlling story is going to be the injuries because, like we said before, the San Francisco 49ers have had a ton of injuries on defense. They were missing seven starters last week, seven starters. Uh, one of their starting cornerbacks, Mosley, is out for the year with a torn ACL. Eric Armstead, the defensive tackle, he's got a foot and ankle injury. He's already listed as out for this game. Uh, the Niners are actually getting some guys back though. A couple of guys like Charvarius Ward, who was the DNP on Wednesday and Thursday had a limited practice yesterday. Uh, Nick Bosa, who's was, has been limited all week, had a full practice yesterday. So he should be back uh, safety. Jimmy w- Ward, who's been limited all week. Uh, he doesn't have a de- an injury designation as of yet. Uh, the other safety Talanoa Hufanga, who had a concussion, did get in a limited practice. He's listed as questionable. Not sure if he's going to play. So, you know, basically what it looks like is the uh, San Francisco 49ers should expect to get some of their players back this week. 
It's questionable as to how many there will be. Uh, all we know right now is it certainly looks like Bosa will be back. It also looks like Trent Williams will be back. And uh, it looks like Eric Armstead is definitely out. So, you know, these two teams at full strength are a potential Super Bowl matchup. Of course, they met a couple of years ago. Niners had that Super Bowl in their grasp and the and the the Chiefs ended up pulling it out at the end. Uh, Jimmy G in at quarterback for the Niners with Trey Lance out for the year. Uh, like I said, the the Niners just had just a dreadful, terrible loss uh, against Carolina last week, or excuse me, against uh, Atlanta last week. Based on the fact that they had so many injuries, is is where that came from. The Chiefs uh, having another sort of up and down year played a really tight game at home against the Buffalo Bills last week, who might be the best team in football right now ended up losing that game right at the end but no matter what at full strength these are two of the best teams in the league uh Kansas City Chiefs an absolute Super Bowl contender uh if they're not the the best team in football they are number two behind Buffalo and I'll take the Kansas City Chiefs here on the road only given a point it's basically a pick them similar to what you said uh earlier on um with your with your Jets game, I'll take the Chiefs on the road against the San Francisco 49ers with so many question marks surrounding the Niners from an injury perspective. Uh, a couple other things that are uh, influencing my opinion here as far as the spread goes is that the Chiefs defense uh, has actually been pretty good. They're fourth in rushing day, they're number one in points per game, and the Niners do have some question marks uh, on the defensive side of the ball as far as that goes. Uh, but a couple of props. I like Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, there is some speculation that maybe the addition of McCaffrey uh, might free up some space for Debo, give defenses someone else to pay attention to besides Samuel, and maybe he can, you know, get back some of that rushing uh, that he had uh, last year that made him such a, a, a an incredible superstar and performer. This week on DraftKings, his rushing prop is 15 and a half rushing yards. I love that. Give me the over on Debo Samuel over 15 and a half rushing yards. He's averaging 22.6 rushing yards a game. And although he hasn't had a ton of success recently out of the gates, he had 53 yards and 52 yards rushing. He's still taking off a couple of times a game. I'd like him to take off a few times this week as well and get that 22 and a half. Also Patrick Mahomes. I've already taken over on 19 and a half rushing yards, put a 50 burger on that. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. Mahomes is averaging 18.83 rushing yards a game, but he's averaging 27 yards a game and his last four took off uh, exactly four times in each of the last four. So even though the Niners are getting healthier, I like Patrick Mahomes to go over on his 19 and a half. Lastly, I'm going to take Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. I like both of his props this week. For uh, reception yards, he's at 71 and a half at minus 115 on DraftKings. I'll take that. For receptions, Travis is at six and a half uh, receptions for uh, his receiving prop. I'll take that as well. Again, Travis Kelsey is the number one receiver on this team for the Chiefs. And the Niners, although they perform well against tight ends, I think Travis Kelsey is a different case. I expect uh, Patrick Mahomes to look for Kelsey early and often, especially with Bosa back to the extent Bosa can put some pressure on Mahomes. I think that makes it more likely that Mahomes takes off 
even more than usual. So he gets his rushing prop. And I also expect him to be looking for Travis Kelsey even more than he usually does. So I like Travis Kelsey to have a big game here on the road against the Niners. I think it's going to be a good game, but I'll take the Chiefs. Give the one. Give me the Chiefs on the money line. Give me Patrick Mahomes over on 19 and a half rushing yards. Give me Travis Kelsey over six and a half catches over 71 and a half receiving yards and also yeah give me Debo over 22 points or excuse me over 15 and a half rushing yards yeah I like the Chiefs in this game as well um I would probably stick with uh giving the one point because right now on DraftKings giving the one point is minus 115 uh the money line's minus 120 I don't see this being a one point game I think if the Chiefs are going to win they're going to probably win by you know, at least a field goal. Uh, I don't see it being a one-point game, so I would give the one point, take the Chiefs on the road. I think the 49ers, after getting dismantled last week, I, I think they're a team sort of in flux. They got a lot of injuries. Uh, I know that they brought in McCaffrey from Carolina. I don't know how he's going to, like, instantly fit in to this team offensively. Um, so I do like the Chiefs on the road, uh, laying the one point. Uh, the Chiefs are, uh, uh, you know, if not the top team, I know they lost to to Buffalo, but they're at least, you know, 1A. Uh, so give me the Chiefs laying the point. I also, the only prop that I really was looking at, and you've already, you know, given it to our audiences, is Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. Without Tyreek Hill there, I... Uh, Mahomes is just focused on Travis Kelsey game after game after game after game. So the re- the receiving yards to me over, you know, it's like 71 and a half or whatever it is. I'm a little concerned about that given the 49ers defense. I know they're banged up, but the receptions, I mean, he seems to go to throw to that guy just like every other play. So give me Kelsey over six and a half receptions right now. It's minus one one Oh five on DraftKings. So I'm with you. On this game, uh, Chiefs laying the point. Any last thoughts on uh, on the Chiefs Niners before we move into um, my couple college football nuggets that I'll give to you guys, and and then we'll go into our last phase of our tracks of the week. Any last thoughts, John, on Chiefs Niners? Not on, not on Chiefs Niners. I think that pretty much wraps it up. But I do have one bonus pick, um, and and here it is. So I, I heard this stat. I think I heard it on the Harris Football Podcast, but I believe it's a. a from uh, ESPN originally. Uh, So check this out. So there have been 73 games in the NFL so far that were within one score in the fourth quarter, 73. And there have been 57 games in the NFL so far this year that have been decided by one score. And both of those numbers are the most in NFL history at this point in the season. So I'm taking a look at that, and there's just a monster point spread that jumped off the page to me. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers giving 13 points to the Carolina Panthers on the road uh, this week. So the Panthers getting 13 at home. The reasoning is obvious why that would be. You know, the Panthers have been pretty dreadful this year. Um, Baker Mayfield is out, so they're starting P.J. Walker at quarterback. Uh, and they just traded Christian McCaffrey, and they fired their coach already. So they're a complete mess. But I still say, well, you know, could the Bucks cover this point spread? Sure they could. 
but 13 points is too much to give on the road. A home team getting 13 points, especially when there's so much parity in this league. And you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, yes, they have Tom Brady. Yes, they still have a lot of talent. They just lost to the damn Steelers. So, yes, I do expect the Buccaneers to win this game. But from a betting perspective, give me the 13 points at home, you know, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, and I think you're going to be right more often than not. So that's my bonus pick a little wild there, but give me the 13 points at home for the Panthers uh, against the Buccaneers, especially considering, you know, the idea that there's been so many games that ended up close in the fourth quarter this year. Yeah. You know, I looked at that game as a game that I was considering taking and my rule of thumb is never take a team uh, that is giving double digit points, but you know, to me, I think this game could go either way. Are the Panthers going to rally around interim coach Steve Wilkes and after trading away, you know, Christian McCaffrey and play a really good game against the Buccaneers, a team that just lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Maybe. Or are they just going to mail it in and say, you know what, our team sucks and we just lost our, our best player, our coach got fired, we're starting P.J. Walker, and Tampa Bay is going to go in there and say, how the hell did we just lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers and just go in there, Tom Brady throwing five touchdown passes, 350 yards. I think this game could go either way, and that's why I stayed away from it. But as the, as my rule of thumb always is, you know, don't take a team that's uh, giving double digits. So if I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean the, uh, the Carolina way, like you indicated. Um, but it's a game I'm probably going to stay away from because who knows in this game. It could be 35-0 or it could be 24-20. All right. So I got two quick college football nuggets just to let everybody know. Last week, even though we did not broadcast, I went 5-1 and one in college football. I seem to always, always pick the right way on these college games. I am a self-proclaimed college football savant. So I have two games for you. One, you're going to say, I get it. I love the pick. The other one, you're going to say, why are you picking this game? All right. So first pick, pretty obvious. Tennessee beat Alabama last week. Came back, won the game. They tore the goalpost down. They threw them in the river. Fireworks off. They beat the high and mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Tennessee right now. This week is playing Tennessee. No, they're not playing themselves. They're playing University of Tennessee Martin. The line right now is Tennessee giving 38 points. Give me Tennessee laying 38 all day long. It's not going to be a hangover coming off Alabama. Tennessee is going to come out and they're going to say, we are the best team in college football, and they are going to lay the wood against this scrub UT Martin team put up 50, maybe 60, 70 points against them. Could be 60 to zero, 70 to nothing. Give me Tennessee laying 38 points. That's game one, game number one. Game number two, Old Dominion over Georgia Southern. Now, where are you getting this game from? Old Dominion, Georgia Southern. Who even watches these teams play? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Old Dominion last week beat Coastal Carolina, who was undefeated. Coastal Carolina has already beaten Georgia Southern. Old Dominion is laying only 
two and a half points to Georgia Southern. Give me Old Dominion. Lay the two and a half points over Georgia Southern. Those are my two college football nuggets for you this week. Take them and run. Lay as much as you can on both of these games. You will come out on top, like I always, almost always do. So those are my college football nuggets. John, any thoughts on college football? Otherwise, I'm going to let you take it away on Tracks of the Week this week. All right. Nope. Following all those picks as usual. Uh, and <laughs> although as soon as the, when you were taking Tennessee, I was like, 38 points. And then after that, I was like, Old Dominion. But whatever. It, it, it tends to work out. So I'm going to follow. I do have a track of the week this week. I'm very excited about it. It is a song by someone named Callum Scott, the Tiesto remix of the song Dancing On My Own. Where did I come up with this song? It is sort of like a like a house, like a pop house kind of song. The reason why I'm in on this song is that somehow, some way, this song has become the rallying cry and the theme song for the 2022 uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, who have sort of come from out of nowhere uh, after firing their manager, Joe Girardi, letting Rob Thompson take over and uh, letting some of their young rookies uh, get some more playing time. They've been affectionately, affectionately dubbed the daycare kids uh, to supplement some of their big, big ticket stars like Bryce Harper, <clears throat> Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, et cetera, et cetera, Zach Wheeler. And again, like I said, the Phillies are in the NLCS. They are up two to one. And this song, Dancing on My Own, the Tiesto remix, has become like their theme song. And there's so much footage of them as they've advanced through each round of the playoffs, partying to this song in the locker room, spraying each other with champagne and beer, and all of these dudes singing along to this song, which the lyrics to the song are really sad and don't seem to fit the celebratory nature of how this is coming out. But it's their theme song. It gets played at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, after every win now, everybody sings along, and so I'm in. I'm on it. That's my track of the week this week. Uh, Callum Scott, Dancing on My Own, the Tiesto. I'm in the corner, watching you kiss So my track of the week, my friend, is a dedication to you. It's a dedication to you and your Philadelphia Eagles being the only undefeated team in the NFL. And that track is Birds Fly. Birds Fly by one of the top DJs in the world, Hardwell, featuring Mr. Probs or probes, however you pronounce it, but it's birds fly. Fly, eagles fly. Fly, eagles fly. Birds fly is my track of the week. Eagles are off this week. Next week, they try to keep it going. So I'm dedicating this one to you, my friend, and your undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. My track of the week is Birds Fly by Hardwell. All right, we have now come to the end of the week seven podcast of Wagers. Ragers, 
We will see you next week for week eight. May your bets be sharp and your caches be bountiful. We will see you all next week for week number eight in the NFL. Good luck, everybody, tomorrow. And we'll see you next week. Adios. Later.